Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Toronto fans. Welcome to episode number 279 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 29th, 2013. We've got a big show for you this week on the podcast. A little later on, you're going to get solo host, solo Ryan Abraham. That's me. Uh, (laughs) Answering your questions. Uh, We're going to give Dan Weber the week off and uh, get get into uh, some USC football questions and talking a little bit about Pac-12 Media Day, which was on Friday. And we have, but we also have Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment, like we always do. So he'll be still around on this show. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call 206-888-6755, or go to peristylepodcast.com. That's our website for the podcast. And leave a voicemail on the left side of the page right from your computer. All right, without further ado, we've got to get to Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How are you doing? Ryan, I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, summer, uh, well, it's a great month, but camp's opening up August the 3rd for USC, and NFL teams, mostly, uh, most of them are in camp already, getting ready for the first game, what, August the 4th, the Hall of Fame game. So we've got preseason NFL football. We're sort of getting ready for the show to start, baby. We are. And uh, isn't it great? It's great football time. That's what we. That's what we're all rooting for here. We want some football. We haven't seen football for a while. We get it, like uh, Coach said, August third. USC starts fall camp, and of course that opener uh, against Hawaii Thursday night game should be a lot of fun. If you guys are going out for that, I will be out there. Uh, I want to before we jump into everything, Coach. I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com. And get tickets for anything you need, or you can call 1-800-888-7287, not just here in Southern California, uh, but all over the country. If you need tickets for concerts, the theater, you want to go to any kind of sporting event, uh, Dodgers are on fire right now, you can check them out. Go to sctickets.com, and they will uh, hook you up. And Coach, I guess we should uh, jump right into things. We got some questions. This was a good voicemail question I wanted to start off with, and uh, I thought it was interesting, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, it's about the leadership here in this USC football team. Hello, my name is Winston. I'm actually a junior attending USC, and I'm, of course, looking forward to this football season. But the concern and question that I have is this season, due to various reasons, it doesn't matter what, when the Trojans are in a tight spot and they really need to get going and pull through to win the game, I want to know who is going to be the leader, who's going to get to be the guy who takes the reins, and lead them to victory because that was something that a lot of people felt like was missing last year, and I kind of want to know who's going to step up, who's going to be the man who's going to take charge. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Obviously, there's a guy on the offensive side of the ball that's got to step up and put them together, and there's a guy on the defensive side, depending on what needs to happen during certain portions of the game, and then there's an entire team You've got to believe, and you've got to all want to be successful, and you've got to want to, you know, get done with uh, what your what your accomplishments are, and that's to go to the Rose Bowl. I, I like I said earlier, uh, there's a season goal every year, and that season goal at USC is 
to win the conference championship and then the national championship. So I think that's the first thing you think about. And, and then you say, who do you hand the, the pass key to? Who is the guy that you respect? Who is the guy that's going to lead you to this direction? And, uh, you know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not uh, uh, there uh, hearing what players are saying about other players or who they look up to. But uh, it doesn't always have to be a guy with yelling and screaming. It can be a silent leader. But there's leaders out there. You just have to allow that individual to take charge and let him be your guy. I would guess that on the offensive side of the football, I would have to say Marquise Lee, only because of how everyone looks up to him, what he's accomplished, and uh, what a great individual he is on and off the field. I would say that it's time for him. You say it's somebody's team. Well, it's not somebody's team, but it's somebody's place to make sure this team doesn't get astray from what it's supposed to do. I like Marquise Lee to be that person. Is he that person? I would never know. He certainly demonstrates it during his style of play and the type of individual he is. But I think it's difficult to say it'll be a quarterback this year because they are underclassmen and no one has really been given the nod by the head coach. The head coach says it's all they're all three equal, and I don't yet know who that person might be, so it's tough to give it to a quarterback. But you definitely know Marquise Lee's a player, and he'll make the big play for you. On the defensive side, I would say, and it's a gentleman that missed spring practice, but Deion Bailey, I, I tell you, that kid can play. He's on preseason All-American teams. He's now going back to the safety position, which he loves, and will, where he'll play in the NFL. He's a big hit guy. Uh, I like him as a player. I was surprised he didn't go to media day. I, I really am surprised that he wasn't at media day. Hayes Pollard was there. And, Marquise Lee, I don't know if that surprised anybody else, Ryan, but to me, I thought Deion Bailey might be the guy they'd have there. Yeah, I think uh, it certainly had a shot. I think missing spring was part of it, but you know, Hayes Pollard is certainly another guy that has leadership abilities there, so maybe just Lane Kiffin felt that he would be one of those leaders on defense, and he was around in the spring, so they brought him along, but I'm not really sure why, but Deion Bailey certainly would have been a good candidate. Yep. So, you know, but, you know, you just asked me a question that's very difficult for me to answer. But uh, they've got to have leadership. They've got to have people who are ready to strap it on and get it done. But it's not going to be an easy season. Uh, The Pac-12, I think, is a very, very improved conference. The Arizona schools are improved. The Washington schools are improved. The Oregon schools are improved. They used to just be Oregon. Now you've got Oregon State. Southern California, the SC, UCLA's, obviously UCLA has improved. So what can I say? The only two guys Larry Scott brought into the conference, thank you very much, Larry, is Utah and Colorado, <laughs> which everybody can beat. So, so you know, that's another accomplishment that Larry can take, uh, you know, credit for. <laughs> yes, Larry Scott and his – maybe we should let you make a comment here, Coach, uh, about – we're, I'm going to talk about this in the next segment because we got some some Pac-12 media day questions. But um, I know uh, when Larry Scott came out and announced that uh, you know there was not going to be a deal with Directv, he basically said if you have Directv and you want to get the Pac-12 network, you should switch. Uh, maybe we'll get, before we get into the other questions, maybe get your thoughts on that because I know it's a hot button topic for you. It is. Uh, you know, when he suggests to me 
that I should change my uh, DirecTV. I should drop DirecTV and pick up some other cable network that picks up the Pac-12 network, where I think, thank you very much, Larry. Uh, I should change all and, and cancel and, and take my satellite down and, and do all these things because you can't get done with your job and what you're making $3 million a year to do. I mean, get it done. DirecTV says, hey, let us charge, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it on. They can get it on, but he wants it on everybody's channel, and he wants it for a certain amount of money. I don't know what the dollars and cents are, but DirecTV will put it on if they allow, you know, they'll put it on and maybe charge us to watch a game. Okay, if you want to watch ESC games, I'll pay $5 a game or whatever it is. But it isn't like a slam door. He wants the whole package. Well, that's great. So, you know, when everybody's praising him all the time about what he's doing and moving to, you know, don't get me wrong when I say this, but media day from every Hollywood studio, I don't know where it's going to be next year. But, you know, <laughs> we've been at Fox. Yeah, they didn't discover me there. We've been at uh, Universal. I didn't get discovered there. So they hurt my feelings, so I didn't go to Sony, okay, in Culver City. So, but, you know, that that's ridiculous to make those type of statements. It's embarrassing to say cancel your service and go to another network. Hey, do your job and get them on direct, get the Pac-12 on direct TV. If you have to give up some, give up some, but give the people at least the option that if they want to watch an SC football game, they can watch it even if they have to pay for it. And I think eventually, you know, if you do things like that, you're doing your job. Right now he's not doing his job in that area. All right. So that wasn't too now, bad. Did I, did I make that clear? That was clear, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Not bad. Well, just... I was going to say this. <laughs> when he asked me to change channels, I'm going to ask him to take a pay cut. I like it. All right. There we go. I would take a little bit of that $3 million too. That would be nice. Um, all right. Well, we got we got the rant out of the way. I'll get to some more of these. Oh, years. well, you know, when I hear that, that's ridiculous because all of us want to watch SC football. We do. Yes, of course. And when they're on the road, you know, it's it's not right that you have to go to a, some other spot to watch a game. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, Coach. Hopefully they can work all out some right. kind of I don't know how many agree with me out there, but that's the way I it think is. a lot do. I think a lot do. Um, all right. Well, Good. Greg in the OC had a question. Um, he says, if the team starts fall camp, what are you going to be looking for as far as positive steps towards the team getting back on track to be a dominating football program. What what do you check out there, coaches, to see what kind of steps they could do to, to get better that way? Well, um, I've got to try to answer this properly because I don't know exactly what he's looking for. But first of all, first couple of days of practice are always enthusiastic, okay? Everybody's ready to get out there. Everybody's ready to go. Uh, they've been waiting for the season. And, you know, they've been waiting to change things. And the coaches are fired up and everybody's fired up. You know, you get through the first couple of days and you put the pads on and then you, you start to work a little bit and and uh, you start to get sore and everything else that comes along with it. And sometimes, you know, the, the grass is wet in the morning when you're practicing and you're sore. You've got to have the same effort. You've got to have the same enthusiasm. It's just like going to work. If you're a pilot and you don't feel like flying, flying the plane very, you know, good that day, you might not make it. You gotta when you take your lunch pail to work. You gotta get out there, and you can't lose a second of coaching or uh, blocking or tackling or whatever it takes to become a great football player. And I think that's what you need to do when you go out there. You gotta be physical. Uh, 
I, I would want to make this team a physical football team. Uh, right from the beginning, I think they want to be a physical football team. I think the kids are tired of being here. That they can't run the ball. We're soft. They can't block anybody. If I was a kid, I'd get sick of hearing that. From me, too. You'd be sick of hearing it from me. And, and they want to do that. And I think what you have to do is not mislead the kids. If you've been talking to, to them about the things you're going to do, then you better follow through with, with it. You better practice to be a good running football team or play-action pass football team or goal-line football team or blitzing football team or a team that's going to play man in the secondary and get after people. Because they want to do this, but you're selling this to them. So I would look to see if they're drinking the Kool-Aid. You got to have them drink the Kool-Aid, and you got to be the one making the Kool-Aid. As far as a coach, a head coach, a position coach, you got to have these kids all believe in what we're doing is the best thing for our football team, and those kids know it is. And then you've got a chance. And then when you have your first football game or your first scrimmage, you got to do it exactly the same way. You can't go out there and all of a sudden. Out of the blue comes 15, 30, or 15 passes and bubble screens and everything, and they forget about the running game. Because I heard the other day, and I don't know, I didn't hear it straight, that maybe SC doesn't have the running backs to have a great running game. I don't know if you heard that, Ryan, somewhere. But that's absolutely false. Curtis McNeil, I thought, was a great running back. I mean, he reminded me of Dick Bass. Uh, Alan Bradford, he wasn't a bad running back. He got 200 yards in a couple of games against UCLA and some other teams. Uh, these backs that are over there are great football players. And I think going into this season, it'll be the greatest or the best group of backs they've had in a long time. So I think that along with great backs and great receivers and playmakers, and you've got to have a quarterback that's a playmaker, make things happen. I got an interesting stack there. When Kobe Kessler was a senior in high school, he played basketball too. He averaged 29 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, and five assists a game. Now that's what I call a playmaker. Now, Matt Whittick's a playmaker too, but a different type. Max Brown's a playmaker, but you got to have playmaker. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny football. When you watch him play, he isn't six, five, he just makes plays. He just makes things happen. He throws the ball to great athletes, hand it out. Everybody's saying, oh, we're playing Johnny football. He wins the Heisman Trophy. So what you got to do is get playmakers, make plays. And I think that's what you got to sell to your team, that you're all playmakers. We got to make it happen. We got to make our blocks. We got to make our tackles. And I'm sorry I'm ranting and raving on this, but I'm sort of preaching here. <laughs> on exactly what I'd be looking for and what I'd be selling. Uh, well, Coach, that's actually good. We, you kind of segmented to uh, a good uh, – uh, What I'm, I'm losing the word. What is it when you uh, transition from one to another? Segue. I'm sorry. There's a good segue. I'm, I'm blanking on words here, Coach, from two, or, two of our next questions. So I'm not even sure which one to go to. But I'll go with uh, JC and the OC. He has kind of a little bit of a rant and then a question at the end. But there are some similar aspects to what you were talking about there. He's, he's not real happy, though. I'll start off. He says, it's pretty sad our program couldn't muster higher than third in the Pac-12 South. That means somewhere between uh, five and six overall in the, Pac uh, the Pac-12 league rankings, with UCLA getting first overall in the South. The only good thing is they should be a great motivator for the team to perform way beyond others' expectations. So he's talking about the media picked USC to finish third in the Pac-12 South. Uh, the 2011 seed has had, had us down low because of the sanctions and a subpar 2010. 
and we finished with 11 wins. It was actually 10 wins, not 11 wins, but double-digit wins. And he said, I think the talent there is is there for 10-plus wins, so let's see if Kiffin can lead this team uh, with his head out of the clipboard, learn to motiv- motivate his players on the sidelines, make adjustments during the game, especially at halftime, a la Pete Carroll, lead us to fourth-quarter comebacks if needed, and get the Trojan machine back on the uh, upswing uh, thanks, Coach and Ryan. What are your thoughts on Kiffin's game day motivational skills? So you kind of went a little rant there, Coach, but wants to know about motivational skills, something you talked about in the last answer, too. Well, you know, you gotta you got to lead with your own personality and who you are. I'm a more vocal type of person. You can tell that as far as talking to the team, talking to players, coaches, giving a speech, doesn't make any difference. Do a radio segment like this, doesn't make any difference. I express myself vocally. I do. Some people don't. Some people are silent leaders, but they do it with respect and the confidence of their team. Uh, you've got to demonstrate that to your team. You've got to be able to demonstrate that what you're preaching to them or teaching them is, is what's going to be successful for them. And I think that uh, obviously uh, Coach Given took a lot of criticism last year on play calling, a lot from me. Uh, and others. So I want you to know I don't I don't run and hide in the closet. I, I say it the way it is by the media. Um, and I think that this week when Pat Hayden, the athletic director, came out and made a strong statement that Coach Kiffin, I'm 100% behind him, that that's passing a message on whether I don't know how to read into it, I could say you're 100% behind him until what? Or you're 100% behind him for what? You're 100% behind him as long as he wins. I think that's what you say. And I think he that's a good statement to make as far as helping them in recruiting because kids are not committing. We've talked about that because they're not sure what's going to happen. But I, there's no one that wants to see SC more be successful than all of us. Because with that, it makes everything so much easy, easier. So you've got to do the best way you know to win. Now, right now, he's decided to call the plays again. Obviously, he feels that's what it takes for SC to win. Now, he knows what the consequences are. You can be behind a person 100%. But unless you win 10 games next year, it's unacceptable as far as me looking at it. You've got three key games. You've got UCLA, Notre Dame, and Arizona State as far as in my mind, in my mind. You've got to win the rest of those football games. You've got to play your ass off in those other three. And you can – I've got them – if they play to their ability and the coaches coach their ability and they do what they're supposed to do and what they say they're supposed to do and what they're being paid to do, they should win 11 football games. Now, if they don't, then I'm saying, wait a minute. Am I 100% behind these people too? Okay, that means you lost to two of those threes, but the others you better win. Three? Oh, no. I can't lose to Arizona State. I can't lose to UCLA. I can't lose to Notre Dame. And if you bring up one of those others that I might have lost to him, nine and four? No way. So uh, it depends what you call your program. What do you think of your program? Are you supposed to be New Year's Day in the Rose Bowl every year? 
or January the 6th in the BCS championship game. It's what you believe in your program. Can Coach Kiffin lead him to that? Pat Hayden thinks he can. So he's Pat Hayden, Kiffin's boss, Pat Hayden. So what you have to do is see, trust him, watch him. We all got our own opinions. Is everybody think he can? I think if you're, everybody's waiting to see. And right. it's like the end of beginning of a movie and the end of a movie. How will it end? And I think that's exactly the way I'm looking at this season. I'm excited about this football season because I want to see what happens. I want to see if they run the, try to run the football against Hawaii. I really do, but they couldn't run it a lick last year against Hawaii, okay? <laughs> True. Huh? True. I'm just telling you. I, I mean, so if they're going to run the football, let's see them run the football against Hawaii. I want everybody to know Hawaii was picked for last in the Mountain West Conference at their Mountain West Conference media day. So you're going to Hawaii. Those kids will be ready to play. All right, let's find out if you can run the football. And if you run the football, you'll become a better football team. If you go after their corners and try to throw for 12 touchdowns, you won't be a better football team. So I'm saying, can Coach Kiffin lead this team? He certainly can if he does the things what it takes to win, and he has the confidence in his players. And he doesn't BS them in saying we're going to do one thing and he does something else. That's that. All right. Well, the other segue the, the other segue you had was talking about the quarterback situation. We did have a question on that from Jim up in the Bay Area, and he says, "Enjoy the show and analysis, especially Coach Hyde, as the diplomats say, frank and candid." He said, "I'd like to get your comments and the coaches on the following stats." So he's talking about senior quarterback, senior year from high school. For Max Brown, he had 49 touchdowns, five picks, 70 percent completion. Cody Kessler had 36 touchdowns, two picks, only two picks, wow, and 70 completions. Max Wittick, 26 touchdowns, 15 picks, and 50% completion. Um, further, Wittick is the only quarterback that has any college stats, three touchdowns, five picks, 52% completion. As you see, both Brown and Kessler have excellent touchdown-to-interception ratios better and a better completion percentage. Obviously, Max Wittick has a very strong arm, but in the, looking at his film and even in drills, he stares down the intended receiver Almost every snap, if Wittick is a starter, I predict more of the same. A lot of interceptions, lower completion percentage, and every linebacker and safety in the zip code will be meaning the ball at the receive for. Therefore, promising offense. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This doesn't really make sense at the end. Therefore, promising offense. He's talking about the offensive linemen uh, going through the list of the linemen and stuff, and the line reflects Pat Rule's mass kicks ass uh theory from back in the day. Pat Rule's the, the, the old USC offensive line coach. But he, he feels, Jim in the Bay Area feels that if they put Maddox, Max Wittick as the starter, you're kind of wasting what could be a good offensive line and good running back and good wide receiver situation. Um, not give yourself the best chance to win as, as a Cody Kessler or, or uh, a Max Brown would. What are your thoughts on that, Coach? Well, I think all three are the best quarterbacks they could get when they were recruiting with their style of football. Now, I think that one of those three, if they live up to their raves, should be a type of guy to lead USC to a championship or to a winning football season or whatever you ever want to call it. Cody Kessler is a winner. I just gave you a basketball stat on him, not just a football stat. <laughs> uh, Max Wittick, a winner. Uh, Max Brown, Gatorade Player of the Year. 
So let's take these guys and develop them to what they should be in college football. Obviously, they came out of high school as tremendous players. Now, do you take all of fall camp to decide who your starter is going to be? I don't think so. I think after watching spring ball, you've got to have an idea on who your player is going to be. I know your team does. I know the stats show it. I'm not saying one of them is better than the other, but I'm saying one certainly had a better spring than the other, and one certainly has the ability to be a playmaker. Johnny Monday football, Manziel is only, what, six foot, maybe? Quick in hell, can make plays. Max uh, Wittick, hell of an athlete. Big, strong, powerful, pro type of football player. But I'm telling you what you have to do. And Max Brown, of course, a young freshman who has all the potential in the world. But you got to decide who your guy is before the first game because your guy has got to step in the huddle at least two weeks before your first game and everybody look at him in the eyes and say, this is the man. This is our man. And the receivers get to know the man. And they get to read each other. And the handoffs become smoother with the running backs and the audibles and the snap count and the line getting off and the timing of the offense. You can't go through fall camp all the way up to the first game and then all of a sudden on Thursday night say, this is who's starting. You've got to know so your team has a chance of working with the starting quarterback, whoever it may be. Now I'm saying let it be the call of Coach Kiffin. I'm not saying who it's going to be, but please make a decision so the team can become a team around the quarterback and he gets the reps that's necessary and the timing with the backs and the offensive line and the audibles and the receivers know when to break. They know the speed of his ball. They know where to run to the spot. All of these things have got to be done at least two weeks before the first game. So, you know, spring practice is for finding out what's going on, and you better know what's going on. Just don't say they're all three equal. Because in your mind, they can't be all three equal. We don't want now. We don't want ores ores huh? on the depth chart a couple of weeks from now. Is what you're saying? Yeah, you you can't do that. I don't think it's fair to the kids. I don't think it's fair to the team. And that's 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 you know the way I would say it. I'd say make a decision, right or wrong. Make a decision so that your team can be ready to play. And then for the the original uh, for the original question there, I mean, I don't think it's really fair to compare. High school. I mean, stats from the senior and high school thing. I mean, both guys were were all Americans, um, Kessler and Wittick and, and Max Brown as well. All three of them were. I mean, I, certainly there's different situations. You're playing against different competition. You're in different leagues. There's a lot, you know different teammates and all stuff like that. So I wouldn't put too much stock uh, into that. But um, just to be fair to to Max Wittick there. But we'll see. Well, we should know in a couple of weeks, oh, coach. No. Yeah, I'm fair to Max Wittick. I'm telling you, all three of them is good as you can get. Yeah. As far as when they came into USC. Now, will they get better? Will they fit the system? Well, make it. Make it happen. Or you made a mistake in your recruiting and evaluation. All right. Well, we got one last question. This has to do actually with the uh, the defense from the, the best team in college football last year, uh, Alabama. So here's, uh, here's one technical question here for you, Coach. 
Hi, this is Mac in uh, Oregon. This is a question for Coach Hyde. Uh, Coach Hyde, could you talk briefly about the Alabama three-under uh, defensive scheme and, in particular, the uh, pass coverage scheme? Uh, I read recently where they use sort of a combination half zone, half man-to-man, one, where one side of the field is covered in a zone coverage scheme and the other is a man-to-man and uh, it apparently confused a lot of quarterbacks. So if you could describe for relay people what that's all about, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Well, thank you for calling. Now, I haven't seen Alabama play that much, so it's hard for me to remember back exactly what they do. But what they do is they disguise their coverages they play zone and man. It's very simple. You can play man on one side and zone on the other side. They might come up and make you think that you're they're playing man, but they're really playing zone, uh, so that you your your receiver and your quarterback think, oh, we know what this is. We're going to run the fade uh, because they're playing man, and we're going to run the quick slant. And all of a sudden, the last moment, the defensive back jumps inside and and, and then all of a sudden there's not a good read between the quarterback and the receiver because it's too late when the ball is snapped. You want to make sure if you see uh, Alabama play, their safeties get in the football game in coverage. If you remember that great interception that was made in the national championship game by their safety coming across the field all the way like a center fielder hitting the wall to make that interception. You don't see, or you haven't seen, with what was done in the past at USC, the safeties being really safeties. They're almost like linebackers. Now, at Alabama, they have corners. They like to play man, okay? They really like to play man. They like to get after you up front with their guys, and they like to have their safeties cover the field. They'll run a cover two. They'll run a man. They'll run a free safety, cover three. Uh, they they mix them up, but they still run the basic cover one, which is their main coverage, which is man. They try to disguise it. They'll substitute, put an extra DB in, take a linebacker out or a defensive lineman, drop back in zone coverages and long down situations, make you thread the needle. And uh, they run so well. They cover the field. They're so aggressive. They're so fast, they just run you down. So, you know, SC can play the same style of football. I think USC's front seven is as good as any in the in the Pac-12 this year. I really believe that. that The scheme fits them perfectly, really fits them perfectly in what they're doing. Their safeties are going to be awesome. They really are. And their corners are the question mark. Who will the corners be? And they've got to develop two guys to play the corner if they're going to play man. And if they can't cover, they remember, they can't cover all day. You've got to get after them and you've got to sack people when you go to play man. But that's basically what I see with Alabama. They're a cover one team. They're an athlete team. They want athletes on the field. Everyone on the field is an athlete. Their corners get drafted in the first round. I mean, the whole package is, is a combination. Great athlete, a man, zone, coverage, Get after you, tackle. You don't see you don't see missed tackles by Alabama. You don't see them missed tackles. They settle up and then they stone you. So uh, 
that's basically the way I could describe that for you. All right. Well, Coach, appreciate that, and uh, thanks for all the questions and getting to them all. And uh, it will be fun. I hope you uh, enjoy your time on Catalina Island, and uh, we'll see you back on the mainland sometime soon. I'm in camp. I'm You're in camp. camp getting ready. Right. Yep, but uh, but we'll be starting camp here shortly. I'll be over at SC. I'll see you, Ryan, over there, and we'll watch some practices and watch some scrimmages and have a countdown here for college football. It should be, and I'm serious, a very exciting year for USC because I think I'm in one of those same situations everybody else is in. Let's wait and see. And I think that's exciting when you go in and say, let's wait and see, and you see something actually happen. And you feel good about what's happening, but uh, you know, it's easy to talk about it, but you got to go do it. And uh, and uh, I hope that uh, last year was a once in a lifetime experience for these kids <laughs> and coaches and fans. A very long season and, and a very uh, depressing season. Normally, when you score 50 points or 36 points, you, you think you're going to win. And and I tell you what, they're going to be much better defensively, much better defensively, which means they'll have the ball more, and they'll have a better chance of of winning and being successful. But you got to play defense to win. And the team he mentioned a minute ago, Alabama, all great teams. Stanford right now, Oregon. Believe me, Oregon's got a great offense, but they play great defense too. To win today, you got to play defense. So uh, that's it tonight, Brian, baby. So take care. All right. Thanks, Coach. And uh, thanks, everyone else, uh, for sending in all those questions. We'll be back in 30 seconds with me. I'll just be alone doing uh, answering more questions from USC Football. So I'll be doing a little solo segment for you. Stay tuned for that in 30 seconds. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast talking some USC Trojan football. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll be doing this segment solo this week. So we're going to try to get to uh, a lot of your questions, some of them more for Dan, some for just general for the show. So I'll do my best to answer all of those for you. I wanted to... uh, Start off first, uh, we have a question about walk-ons. Here we go. Hey, Ryan, Chris from San Pedro. A uh, question for whoever you think is most appropriate. I'm listening to the Pac-12 Media Day, and Rich Rodriguez was on and said that they had 44 new players coming uh, in August to Arizona. 25 scholarships and 19 walk-ons. I'm wondering how many walk-ons SC has, how many new walk-ons they have, and if they don't have large numbers, why that might be. I don't see a downside to uh, having walk-ons come in and, and participate and possibly compete. Thanks a lot. Look forward to hearing your answer. All right, Chris. Thanks for sending in that question there. And uh, we, 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 don't, we try to do our best to cover the walk-ons, but obviously we're more focused on the scholarship players and guys that have a real shot at getting on the field. 
uh, a little bit earlier or, or, you know, more likely. You know, certainly we've seen walk-ons in the past that have come in and contributed. And I think there's some on this team that can. And, uh, you know, Kyle Negretti was a walk-on. I think the sanctions, we mentioned this before, the biggest detriment or one of the one of the bigger detriments to this team is uh, walk-ons not being able to earn scholarships because there's just not enough spaces. So, uh, you know, we can't really see what Lane Kiffin's going to do with walk-ons. We've seen him give some. Uh, former walk-on scholarships like Abe Markowitz and Kyle Negretti, like we mentioned, but it's not always easy to do, certainly when you have 10 fewer scholarships to hand out. Uh, we don't have an exact number of walk-ons. Uh, we can get that for you when fall camp starts and we get the official roster, and you can kind of count them up, but there's a limited number. I mean, there's a limited number of spots uh, on the roster, so what, what they end up doing is bringing in some preferred walk-ons, and they actually have a couple of quarterbacks. If you check out our photos and, and videos, you can see some of the, the new walk-ons um, that have been on the team. Uh, you know, Recently, there was a couple quarterbacks and a wide receiver we put in the latest photo albums. You can kind of check those guys out as far as new guys go. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Ryan Dillard maybe is the most... Uh, I guess the, the walk-on right now that probably has the best shot of earning a scholarship. Uh, he's out of Georgia, had some actual D1 offers when he came to USC. So you can kind of see some of the guys. We've we've covered them throughout the year, but I don't have an like, exact number as far as right now. We'll check that out. Uh, any any spots that are still open, um, Lane Kiffin will have a, a walk-on tryout. And uh, those guys kind of come and go a little bit. Uh, you know, they, they try out. Sometimes they make the team. Sometimes they don't. Um, there's some interesting stories there, but you know, in general, um, you know, we're kind of focused on the the scholarship guys as opposed to uh, the walk-on guys. But we'll definitely try to get get you an up-to-date count when fall camp starts, and certainly guys of note. Um, usually, those are the ones we end up talking about, like Cody Gifford. You know, Frank Gifford's son was a walk-on on the team before, so you know, we'd talk about him. Um, like I said, uh, Ryan Dillard's a guy that had some scholarship offers from D1 programs. Uh, former quarterbacks, transfers, things like that. Like Chris Wilson is, uh, you know, for Wake Forest, he's he's one of the new quarterbacks and big guy, six, you know, six six or so. Uh, throws a, a deep ball. You can see some of his uh, throws in the workout videos that we've been putting up. He's been actually getting a lot of reps, so he's someone, one of those walk-ons that we've been seeing a little bit more of because he, you know, he's a quarterback and we can we can see him sling the ball around. So hopefully that answered uh, your question. Let's see, we're going to move on to Mac D in Vancouver, British Columbia. Last week, Dan Wolken tweeted out, it just struck me that this has been an eerily quiet offseason for one Mr. Lane Kiffin. Too quiet. That's in quotes. He said, compared to years past, what is different? Has Pat Hayden reeled him in? In the past, at USC at, USC at least, uh, or has his past been blown out of proportion? Wrong place, wrong time. That's Mac D in Vancouver, British Columbia. Okay, Mac. Um, this does seem a lot more similar to the offseason of 2011 than it does to 2012. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on heading into the 2012 season. I think Matt Barkley coming back for a senior year kind of sparked a lot of that stuff. Um, a lot of hype, uh, you know, changing things around the program. To me, it's not really about the offseason, though. It's about during the season. And I think that's an important part when people ask me, is Lane Kiffin sticking around? You already saw that Pat Hayden said 100% behind him. Oh, he didn't say what. He said uh, he's not on the hot seat. He's 100% uh, supporting Lane Kiffin. Uh, we know we've seen something similar. I think the, the Cal administration said the same thing about Jed Tedford, Jeff Tedford, and he's gone. Um, so it certainly doesn't mean he's back 100% next year, but they're supporting him right now, and that's what you have to do. 
Um, to me, and when people ask me this, I, I do think that USC has to win a bunch of games this year because the schedule isn't as difficult in the past. But one of the important aspects I don't hear a lot about is keeping things clean off the field and not embarrassing the program, not having deflated footballs and all those kind of you know, off the field things that, like you said, they weren't all of them together. You know, individually they weren't that big, but together it just kind of gave USC a reputation and, and Lane Kiffin more of a reputation that he doesn't need. Um, so yes, it has been quiet this off season. We'll see. Is that going to be a premonition of what's going to come during the regular season? And I do think it's so important for Lane Kiffin to not do some of those things that maybe it was on him, maybe it wasn't, but there were just so many of them that any time something bad around the program happened, it was attributed uh, to Lane Kiffin. So he kept his nose clean in 2011. The team won 10 games. So if he does the same thing in 2013, I, I don't think there's any question that he'll be back. But that's something I think that's actually important uh, for him to do. So, Mac D, uh, thank you for that one. I'm going to go back to a voicemail question. Here we go. This is a special teams one. Hey, Ryan. Uh, just looking through the uh, 2013 media guide, and I noticed that the, the photo pages are heavily skewed toward defense. I hope that's a, a good sign and that they're really focusing on playing tight and controlled fast and a defense that can actually tackle. That'd be fabulous. Hey, the big question is, uh, what's up with Chris Alvarado? Is he going to be our punter this year? And do you have any video of him um, with his punting techniques, length, i.e. distance, and accuracy? One of the great things we had about our punter last year was that uh, he rarely had touchbacks. All right, thanks a bunch. Fight on, and uh, onward to the season. Can't wait. All right, Greg, thanks for that one. And uh, the media guide is put together by the sports and information people, so I don't think it's really – you can look at the pictures in the media guide and say, okay, that's what the coaches are thinking. It really doesn't have anything to do with the coaches. I, uh, it's what the sports and information people put together. So I don't think you can read anything about how the team is going to tackle by what pictures are in the media guide. Sorry to break that one to you, Greg, but just that's uh, kind of the reality of the situation. But I do, I do think this team is going to tackle better. And I think it starts with the scheme that Clancy Pendergast is bringing in. There's going to be some problems, but I think there's going to be a lot of solutions, too. I think there'll be more solutions than problems. So that's why I'm expecting this defense to be better in 2013. Um, as far as the punter goes, yeah, Chris Alvarado, he's on he's on scholarship, so he better be the punter. Um, we do have, I think, a couple clips uh, in some of the fall workouts from last year, some of the fall practices where you could see uh, the punter's punt, but we will be able to get more of those once fall camp starts on uh, August 3rd. So we will get more videos uh, then um, of Chris Alvarado punting and, uh, you know, all the all the guys kind of running special teams drills. But the reason why is we're only allowed to film a, a very small portion of practice, and typically during that portion of practice we can film. Special teams guys are actually doing stuff, so... As far as action goes, we get quarterback action because they're going through drills so you can see what the quarterbacks look like throwing. That's going to be important this fall, obviously, so check out uscfootball.com for that. But we also get special teams drills, and some of it are you know putt blocking things. Some are kind of fun to watch. A lot of them are boring, just kind of walk through things. But you do get to see the kickers and punters go at it quite a bit, and the return guys go at it a little bit. So usually that, those are areas we can get some action in. Um, it's harder to get lineman action. 
uh, both offensive and defensive linemen are way on the other side of the field. Just it's just too obstructed and and far away to get any good footage of that. But we do usually get good footage of quarterbacks and special teams. So you can look forward to that. You can judge for yourself if you think he's a a good, accurate, long distance uh, punter or not. Uh, let's go to David. He has a question. He says, uh, as of now. And that was, this was written on July 18th, so this was a while ago before our previous podcast. We didn't do one last week because I was out of town in Vegas. Um, USC only has six ga- games scheduled with TV listings. Uh, only one of those six is listed to air on the Pac-12 network. Of there are seven remaining games, can you speculate or do you know how many will be aired on the Pac-12 network? I don't get the Pac- Pac-12 network, and I'm wondering if it's worth the switch. If the only two games are going to be on are Boston College and maybe Utah State. Thanks, David. And I don't really know, David. We did get to hear from Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12 at Pac-12 Media Day. And he got to talk about what's going on with the Pac-12 network. Now, I know there are some cool shows. And uh, Dan Weber gets it. And you can see him posting about it. Sometimes he posts some stuff in the war room. Sometimes just on the message boards. I think he even talked about it here in the podcast about cool stuff on the Pac-12 network. Um, I do like that they do the condensed version of the game. I don't know if it's a, I think it's a half an hour or an hour. I don't remember which. We can watch the whole game. So if you want to scout an opponent and you don't want to sit through an entire, you know, UCLA-Nebraska game or something, you can uh, put it up there and watch the condensed version and it's kind of cool. And you can see some of uh, USC's opponents and conference uh, foes going at it in a condensed format, but still see all the plays of the game. So that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I know they have some other cool features. If you care about the Olympic sports, obviously there's a lot of that on there. But if you're mostly focused on football, like many of the USC fan base uh, is, then um, it'll be one or two games that you're going to either need to figure out or, I mean, I guess it could could possibly be more, but my guess will be, you know, just the the one or maybe a second on Pac-12 Network. And, you know, then you can either figure out, you can, if you don't get it, you can go to a bar or whatever. We put out a list, um, and it kept growing of, of establishments, bars, and restaurants and such from all over the country that get the Pac-12 network. So we try to do that and put that together for you. So if you live in a certain area, and if you know of one, you can email us, and we'll add it to the list, which is kind of fun. It's grown and grown, and people kind of appreciated seeing what was going on there as far as where can you get the Pac-12 network. Now, if you have DirecTV, the update, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, but Larry Scott came out and said, basically, they've been working really closely with DirecTV, trying to put a deal together for, I think it was several months. And I, I think that part was encouraging, like, oh, great, there could be something close. But then he said, uh, it's basically not going to happen. So it's they're not going to have a deal with DirecTV. So Larry Scott's uh, advice to USC fans was this. Switch. Don't keep DirecTV. Go somewhere else. Now, I have Verizon Fios, which I do like, and that doesn't get the Pac-12 network either. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen uh, on that front, and I think ATT and U-verse, uh, people were asking about that. Uh, there wasn't any specific update from Larry Scott on those other networks, but DirecTV is the big one, you know, the biggest satellite provider. His, you know, mantra there was to switch, and and that's usually what happens when you have a content provider and a satellite, or, I mean, a, or a, you know, a, a program provider, satellite or, or cable or whatever, internet, FIOS, all that kind of stuff. When they don't agree, 
Um, the content provider tells you to switch, go somewhere else. And you see this all the time. I know, I think Dish had something with AMC. Uh, right now I'm seeing uh, on just a local CBS2 here in uh, Los Angeles, Just the, this is the local network, not even a, a cable network. Um, but apparently Time Warner and CBS are having some kind of feud. So CBS is telling you to switch from Time Warner Cable. Uh, so that's kind of like the, that's that's all the basically the content providers can do, the channels can do, is if there's some kind of dispute and they're not getting paid enough or they're not getting carried or whatever, then they tell you don't don't go with this provider. But I mean, typically, I, I've seen some people switch, but I, people love DirecTV and there's a lot of reasons to like it. I used to have it myself. Um, I end up getting files because the, the internet is so fast that I, I love that and it comes to the same pipe you get your TV on. So that's just kind of what, you know, I get it. A lot of people don't get that. So I get it in my neighborhood. So I ended up doing that, but I can understand people not wanting to switch away from direct TV. Um, so I'm not sure what to tell you. It's, uh, if it's only one or two games and that's really all you're interested in, it's probably not a big deal to find a friend or an establishment where you can watch the game. Um, it's not, you know, it shouldn't be too inconvenient for you, but if you really are into watching your games at home and you want to watch every one, then, and you have direct TV, your only choice is going to be to switch. I'm sorry. That's, that's really all they have got going right now. Um, I'm not sure about Fios or Uverse, and I'm, I'm hoping that changes soon, especially cause I would like to see some of the stuff. I get a lot of the promotional emails from the PAC 12 network saying, Oh, here's what's coming up next on the PAC 12 network that would be interest of interest to USC fans. Can you promote it? Uh, I can, but I, I can't watch it, so it's hard to uh, it's hard to do. So I thought, you know, a lot of people thought this would be done heading into when football games actually started. I, I think it was USC versus Cal last year that was like the first big one on the Pac-12 network, and uh, it didn't. You know, it didn't come through. And uh, people thought, well, the whole off season you'll be able to get Directv by then, but still, it has not come through. And according to Larry Scott, it's not going to come through. So there's still playing hardball with each other and uh you know as as fans that like usc and you have direct tv you're not gonna be able to get that so apologize for that all right let's get back to the questions let's see next up we have Terrian, and uh he wants to know what's your honest reaction to kiffin kiffin decided sorry this was spelled incorrectly by the way everyone if you write in kiffin's name is k-i-f-f-i-n not e-n okay so just k-i-f-f-i-n is how you spell lane kiffin's name uh, but wanted to get an honest reaction for Kiffin deciding to call his own plays. Are you surprised, disappointed? Even if he does a better job, will he be able to manage the game and give feedback to players during the game? I'm disappointed because I believe a decision to not call plays would have been a mature step toward being a better head coach and a leader. Well, here we go. Um, I think Kiffin did come out during the New York part of the media tour and say that he was not going to, that he was going to call plays. And we talked to him a little bit about it in on Friday at Pac-12 Media Day, and he re- reiterated the same thing, basically saying he thinks that the him calling the plays was going to be the be- what's in the best interest for the team, give the, be- the the team the best chance to win. And I think that's what you want your head coach to do. You want him to do whatever he thinks is best to get the team to win. And if that's what he feels, and it's not because of some ego thing or something, whatever, some other reason. Um, then yes, you would agree with, if he feels that's gives USC the best shot to win games, then by all means, go and call the plays. Now, the issue that I had, and I think Dan Weber and Harvey Hyde and some of the other guys did as well, 
is it did feel at times that he was disconnected um, from what was going on in the game. And you'd see TJ McDonald make a, an interception and run over to try to high-five everyone on the sideline, and Lane Kiffin's buried in the, the play-calling sheet, which certainly he's got to call the next play. And a lot of times coaches love to call something cool after a turnover because you want a big impact play, things like that. But, you know, it, it, that disconnect, I think, was apparent. And I, and if you saw him in 2011 when the team went 10-2 and two and won some big games on the road like Oregon and Notre Dame, you win – and I don't think people are going to question that you're calling the plays. It's like, it's fine. Hey, you're doing a good job. If you're ignoring the defense or burying your head in a play sheet, who cares as long as the team's winning? Well, when you go seven and six and you lose five out of your last six games and you're buried in the play sheet, now you're going to get people calling you out. So certainly uh, it's a lot of it's going to be how he handles himself on the sideline. People are going to be more um, aware of the situation and people are really looking for that that huge play calling sheet, the big laminated Denny's menu that people like to call it. Um, if he starts winning, then I think the criticism will kind of go away. Now, if he's calling the plays in the exact same way he did last year and the team's losing, then yes, I think the, the criticism, you're going to get it cranked up some more. But I'm I'm curious to see. What I want to see is, is he going to call it, still call the plays, but with a little bit different, you know, just uh, some of the details being a little bit different, I guess you'd want to say. Um, some of the details being really the head being buried in that that play calling sheet and being able to interact with special teams or defense when they come off the field or even offensive players. Uh, just making sure that, you know, maybe some of the, the technical duties could be given to uh, uh, Clay Helton up in the, the booth who people speculated would end up calling the plays. Now, people wanted Clay Helton to call the plays. I think that was basically... They wanted someone else to call the plays. Do they know much about how how good of a play caller Clay Helton is? I mean, I'm guessing. I I, I was one of those people that felt that Lane Kiffin should delegate this this duty just because it didn't look like he was able to handle play calling and being a head coach is because he seemed so disconnected. But I would also, if someone had to make me bet who the best play caller on the team was, I would probably guess it would be Lane Kiffin. So he's probably, I would guess he's the best play caller on the team. And Clay Helton... Maybe he's a great play caller. We just don't – we don't really know. Uh, we haven't seen too much of that. Um, but he was someone else. He was someone different. Just like when people root for the backup quarterback that they know nothing about, they're just not happy with the current quarterback, so they want the backup to come in there and, and take some snaps. So that's kind of what's happening here. So what I would look for, yes, he's going to call the plays. That's what he wants to do. If he's going to be on the hot seat, even though Pat Hinton says he's not on the hot seat, he'd rather go out as the play caller going out the way he wants to go out, or if he gives up the play calling duties and they start losing games offensively and don't do well, then he might feel like he's not doing everything he could possibly do to help uh, try to keep get the team winning and obviously end up keeping his job. So, but watch for how he handles it. Is he going to handle himself differently on the sidelines? Maybe slightly differently, maybe drastically differently. Uh, I'm not really sure. If it's exactly the same, then, okay, he's just doing everything the same. It doesn't really matter what the criticisms that were coming his way. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. He's the head coach, and he has the right to do it that way. But I, I really do think there's going to be some stuff switched up a little bit. But we're going to have to watch watch him on the sidelines when you're watching the t- – you know, if you're if you're at the game you've got your binoculars, watch Lane Kiffin for a while. I know, uh, I know Harvey Hyde likes to do that. Watch and see what he does. I do think it's going to be a little bit different than what we saw uh, in the past. 
Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see to, to find out for sure. But what we do know, like you said, he will be still calling the offensive plays, getting the plays into the quarterbacks, things like that. So it will still run through Lane Kiffin. All right, next question is from Kevin in South Orange County. He says, do you think Larry Scott regrets not going to bat for SC more over the past three years with the sanctions and all of the other drama? It seems that the damage of not having a brand-name school like USC be a dominant force has ultimately been a detriment to the Pac-12's own brand being considered weak still. That's Kevin and South OC. Kevin, I do not think he regrets it one bit. When you hear him talking at Pac-12 Media Day and other interviews, um, obviously he's putting a, a positive spin on as much as he can. Uh, the Olympic sports are, are doing really well. The conference as a whole has won the most national championships of any conference the last eight years running. Uh, have had multiple schools uh, get BCS berths uh, last couple of years. I mean, Oregon and Stanford are powerhouses in college football right now. And just because it's not USC, um, having Oregon and Stanford be ranked and, and go to BCS bowl games is, is obviously a positive for the conference. You can only get two teams in the BCS from one conference, like the SEC does, and, and the Pac-12 has just as many. And they've been winning. Like they win these games. So um, I don't think that, you know, if, if it was a weak team getting into, like maybe last year, like, UCLA upsets a Stanford or an Oregon or something and, and gets into the BCS, and that's the only Pac-12 school in the BCS is one with you know several losses and um, only got in there because the USC wasn't able to be represented you know, a couple of years ago when USC couldn't go to the, uh, the conference championship game. Yeah, something like that I think you kind of regret. Uh, maybe he regrets a little bit having a UCLA in that championship game um, you know, and ending up with a losing record. Uh, after playing in the championship game. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if you look at the, the top part of the conference, you got a couple powerhouses there that are are beating good schools and winning a lot of games and going to BCS bowl games. So that's what you want. That's all you can do. And I think up and down the conference, I think he has to be pretty happy with the depth that's there. Um, you got to be happy with the coaches that are there. There's some really uh, powerful coaching staffs in the Pac-12 right now. There's some good young ones and there's some some veteran guys that you know of, big names, you know, Rich Rod and and Mike Leach and uh, uh, programs that aren't even, they're just kind of the middle-of-the-road programs or towards the bottom, and they have still big-name coaches there. And I think the SEC has a lot of that, and I think Larry Scott likes that the Pac-12 has a lot of that as well. So I think there's a lot of positives, and He's not missing USC, you know, not being dominant. I, of course, USC fans want to see that and want to see the Trojans back on top. But as a con- the conference as a whole, you still got two teams that are that are very powerful. Now it's great if you can get a couple more up there, and I think he would love to have some bigger out of conference wins early on and just kind of help the the profile, the overall profile of the conference by winning some of those those games. We saw a little bit of that last year. Um, you know, some of the teams starting to beat those out-of-conference foes and, and, you know, winning some big bowl games and things like that. Uh, but, you know, USC obviously didn't finish all that strong, end up losing their big out-of-conference game to Notre Dame, end up losing an out-of-conference game uh, in the Sun Bowl against Georgia Tech. Um, I don't think he re- – I mean, obviously, he'd, I think he'd like to see the program do better, uh, but he's not worried that, well, USC's not on top, the conference is not doing well. Now, certainly, if USC's up there – USC is going to get the benefit of the doubt more just because of the history and the record. Um, seeing a team like that 
perform well against SEC opponents, against out-of-conference opponents, playing Notre Dame every year, things like that. Certainly, I think that's something that the, the voters know. The voters know USC. So they were ready to put USC number one last year after going 10-2 and two in 2011 uh, just because they saw the potential there. Now, Oregon's been up there for a while. They're, I think they're going to start getting more of the benefit of the doubt. Stanford, uh, just really impressive what those two teams have done, and you're getting that. But those teams weren't going to be preseason number one like USC was if, if you have any indication that this could be a really good year for USC. So there's there's still some advantages there of being a USC, and if they make a run and they start winning some games early, they go undefeated, maybe they go to Notre Dame and win, and that's kind of like boom. And if they were not really getting the benefit of the doubt, they certainly will after that. So people are ready to put USC high and maybe higher than they need to be sometimes um, just because they know the history there. Uh, but I don't think, to answer your question, that, that Larry Scott is is extremely disappointed that USC is not doing well because really the rest of the conference has been doing well. And he'd like them to get back. But you know, if they're not, other teams are going to step up and take their place. And we have one last question to get to. This is from Melvin. He said, looking ahead to fall practice and the upcoming season, I see on the roster the following running backs. T.J. Morgan, uh, Buck Allen, Silas Red, uh, Justin Davis, Ty Isaac, and Trey Madden. Do you think all six will end up getting playing time? If not, who do you think will emerge as the starter in the first sub? That's Melvin. And Melvin, I think there's a lot of options there uh, for the coaches. And I don't think they're all six going to play. I don't think it's going to be be a big thing by committee. Uh, we had a pretty good story up on Justin Davis by Chris Swanson up on the front page of uscfootball.com over the weekend. You can check that out and read what's going on with Justin Davis. But he actually had a, a breakout spring coming in as a true freshman, and Lane Kiffin didn't say he could be the, the backup to Silas Red. He said he could be the starter. So they're all competing. Ty Isaac is a, a big back. You love to see him. It's a different kind of back. And, uh, you know, it's probably a little tougher for him because he wasn't here in the spring. He's going to try to compete for playing time this fall and only has a few weeks really to get ready before the start of the season. But he's looked great during these off-season workouts in the summer. Coaches don't see him then, so they don't really know what's going on. But if you check that out on uh, some of the videos we put up, you can certainly see what uh, Ty Isaac's done. And Trey Madden uh, coming back off the injury, uh, another big back. You just love to see a guy like that in there. Uh, different kind of backs. I think you might see him in different situations. Um, both Madden and Isaac, if you know, they'll they'll battle it out um, and see. You know, the, they they have a power option now. They're not going to be running Curtis McNeil on on fourth and one. They could take a, a Trey Madden and, and put a power formation in there and uh, just try to smash people around and, and, and put a big back through there, him or, or Ty Isaac. And uh, Buck Allen, we've seen, has so much speed, and he's looked so much better just this last year. Uh, I don't know if it's just a change in, in uh, coaching staff, position coach. He lost his position coach, but he seems to be a little bit more motivated now. Um, I really like his game, and I'm curious to see. It wasn't a big The coaches didn't seem to be really high on him, at least before, so that's very important in this aspect. We can watch guys in practice and they look great. But if a coach doesn't feel like he's going to perform for whatever reason or he doesn't know the playbook or there's a whole number of reasons why a coach might not want to get him in. Once you see that happening, they seem to make up, not make up excuses, I don't want to say that, but there seem to be other reasons why these guys were, were not getting into games. Um, I'm, I'm legitimate football reasons, but reasons that we don't know. There could be something from the meeting rooms or how they uh, you know, respond to 
guys in the huddle, whatever it is. I mean, it could be a lot of different things, but just from practice-wise, it looks like Buck Allen can play. But it's all those other things we're not really sure of. And and like I said, it seemed like he wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt and getting in games before. Um, so I'm not really sure what to expect there. And then DJ Morgan, you know, we've seen a lot. He's been in and out of the doghouse. Uh, I think he's been a steady back. Uh, you know, it's it's been tough for him, I think, just coming back from the knee surgery he had in high school. Uh, but a really great kid. And, you know, you're rooting for him. Um, so we'll see what he does. But kind of more of the combo back, which some of these other guys – you know, USC's had a lot of those kind of combo backs uh, over the years. But we're going to see a, a lot of competition in the fall. And it, I'm guessing Silas Red is going to, you know, you want to see who it emerges to start. I'm going to guess it's going to be Silas Red. Um, we'll start there. You know, he's a senior and transferred in. And it, I think it's going to be tough to to take him out. Uh, but, you know, Justin Davis has played so well, he, he has a shot to do it. Uh, but I do think you're going to see, like, a Trey Madden. My, my guess would be a Trey Madden just because of the different the, his size and what he brings to the table. And as long as he's 100% healthy, give him a different option as far as the type of back in there. So I, I think, for me, those will probably be the two guys we're going to see the most um, if I had to, to pick right now. But it's a lot, of time, a lot of time between the beginning of fall camp and the start of the season. There's a lot of practices in there. Um, you got to say, you know, health is going to be important or guys healthy, uh, anyone that's not healthy, there's going to be someone else ready to replace them. So if you don't stay healthy, it's going to be hard to, to get on the field. But, um, I do think you're going to see some kind of combination of like, you know, well, like the combo back guys versus, uh, you know, a bigger back coming in to, to spell them a little bit. Uh, but you know, if a guy like Justin Davis plays so well, maybe they go with three or, or a DJ Morgan just has, you know, the breakout, fall and just looks amazing that you know he's the third guy in or the second guy in who knows um there's a lot of options there for the coaches i don't really envy them trying to make a decision like that there's only one football uh you can carry one football at a time so there's going to be some guys that aren't getting the reps uh that they probably feel they deserve and they probably do deserve but there's really just so much you can do uh in a, a limited fall practice situation like that so we'll be watching and we'll do uh we'll do reports from fall camp so make sure you check those out uh, reports on the running backs because that's going to be a, a great competition, just like the the quarterback competition. Who's going to come in there and step up and play a lot more there? So, all right. Well, that's all the questions we have for this week. Sorry again for the absence last week. I was on the the road covering uh, media days in, in in Las Vegas, but we're back here now. We get fall camp here starting up on August third, so it should be a lot of fun. Stay tuned for uh, we're trying to do a recruiting podcast before fall camp starts so if you have any questions you can send those in and that might motivate us to to get to get in there and do another podcast like that but we'll try to do one before fall camp starts and we'll be back with our regular podcast again next week so thanks very much for tuning in and we'll talk to you all next week You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 